Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone. This is Saturday, March 2nd, 2019, and welcome to episode number 145 of the WWS Radio Network's weekly review show. This is WCWS Power Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw here bringing you, of course, a quick review of everything that took place here in the radio network here this week. Plus, also, of course, bringing you tonight's... uh, day here in wrestling history as well as of course a um, of course also bring you a couple of quick stories courtesy of our friends at 411mania.com prepare to listen in here to the and chime in on everything we talk about here this evening feel free to give us a call 1605-562-0444 call id 141-364-POUND and press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we have to talk about here this evening and ladies and gentlemen, this may be a kind of a short version here this evening due to, of course, uh, several uh, conflicts involving myself and the rest of the panel, way too tough to handle. Also, of course, also later tonight, we'll be preparing for our matchup on Wrestling Championship Challenge between the Iceman, Jared DiGeronimo, and the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie, for JD's NWA US National Championship. The Empress, Amory Rickenbach, is scheduled to be in the corner of the Heartbreak Kid. We'll have to wait and see what happens here. We'll have to wait and see what happens, of course, here with that here this evening. But we'll talk more about that here in just a few moments. Let's go ahead and bring you, of course, first off of today here in wrestling history uh, for for today, like I said, March the 2nd. Therefore, let me make sure I have everything up to date here. Okay. Yes. 26. 26 years ago today, which would put it at 1993, at a WCW Worldwide taping in Macon, Georgia, the Hollywood Blondes, Brian Pillman and Steve Austin defeated Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas to win the WCW World Tag Team titles. The match airs on tape delay 25 days later. Also on the taping, in Macon, Georgia, Paul Orndorff defeated Eric Watts in a tournament final to win the WCW World TV title. The match also airs on tape delay on WCW Power Hour 25 days later. 
The title was vacated back in November when then champion Scott Steiner left for the WWF. <clears throat> An interesting little nugget. Future world champions Cactus Jack, Vinny Vegas, Chris Benoit, and Robbie V were all part of the 16-man tournament. And even crazier coincidence, both the Hollywood Blondes and Paul Orndorff would lose their championships on the same day. Clash of the Champions 24 on August the 18th. The Blondes to the team of Aaron Anderson and Paul Roma, and Paul Orndorff to, would lose to Ricky Steamboat. Uh, 11 days, 11 days later, which would put it at 2008 <clears throat> in Tokyo, Japan, Takeshi Morishima defeated Mitsuhara Masawa to win the GHC heavyweight title. The win ended Masawa's 448-day run as champion, as the time the second at the time the second longest in pro wrestling Noah history. Kenta Kobayashi holds the record at 735 days, holding it from March of 2003. To March of 2005. It would also be the last championship held by the legendary Masawa. He actually died in the ring in June 2009 of cardiac arrest due to a cervical spinal injury. This is purely spe speculative, as in accordance to Japanese law, the official cause of death was never released. <clears throat> Six years ago today, which put it at 2013, Ring of Honor presented its 11th anniversary show from Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago Ridge, Illinois. ACH defeated QT Marshall, Adam Page, Silas Young, Mike Seidel, and Tadarius Thomas in a six-man mayhem match. Scum, Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino defeated Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander. BJ Whitmer defeated Charlie Haas in a, a no-holds-barred match. The American Wolves, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards <clears throat> defeated the Forever Hooligans, Alex Kozlov and Rocky Romero. Michael Elgin defeated Roderick Strong 2-1 in the best of three falls match. Matt Taven defeated Adam Cole baby, to win the ROH World TV title. Uh, Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly defeated the Briscoe Brothers, Jay and Mark, to win the ROH World Tag Team titles. And Kevin Steen, who you know, of course, is now is Kevin Owens, <clears throat> defeated Jay Lethal to retain the ROH World title. Today, ladies and gentlemen, would have been the 39th birthday of Lance Curtis McNaught, best known to wrestling fans as Garrison Cade and later Lance Cade. Born in Carroll, Iowa, Lance trained with Shawn Michaels at the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy in San Antonio, Texas. Cade also teamed with Brian Danielson, of course we know Daniel Bryan, for Japanese promotion Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. He left FMW after just three months and returned to the United States. He signed with the WWF in 2001 and went to the Heartland Wrestling Association, then a developmental company for the WWF. He would have two runs, one lasting a day as HWA heavyweight champion and a tag team title run that lasted only a few minutes as they broke up right after winning the titles. <clears throat> Cade moved, moved over to Ohio Valley Wrestling in 2003 and teamed with Renee Dupree and Mark Jindrak before they were both called up. Cade would be called up himself that year and team up with Jindrak until just after WrestleMania 20 when Jindrak moved over to SmackDown. After a stint in OVW following an injury, Cade returned as Lance Cade with new tag partner Trevor Murdoch in 2005. They won the tag team titles less than a month later. They lose the titles just over a month later to Kane in the Big Show. The duo split up for six months but reunited for a brief feud with DX 
They toiled on heat for a bit before winning the tag titles twice in 2007. After the duo split up for good in 2008, he was a protege for Chris Jericho in his feud with Shawn Michaels. Following a drug-induced, life-threatening seizure, Cade was released from WWE in October 2008. After almost a year on the independent circuit and in Japan, he re-signed with WWE in September 2009, but was released the following April under some pretty questionable circumstances. He was taken to a San Antonio hospital on August 10, 2010, complained of shortness of breath, but would discharge himself the next day. Two days later, Lance died of a heart of apparent heart failure. He was only 30 years old. McNaught's death was ruled accidental, stating intoxication from a mix of drugs and cardiomyopathy contributed to his death. Today is also a happy 40. We wish a very happy 48th birthday for Joshi legend Banyami Toyota. Born in Masuda, Shiman, Japan, Toyota made her professional wrestling debut at age 16 in 1987. In 1989, Toyota's one half of the Tokyo Sweethearts with Mima Shimona broke through in a tag team match on the WrestleMarin Piad event. Her bout was released as part of a her bout was released as part of a four-hour wrestling compilation, and her popularity grew almost overnight. In November 1989, Toyota defeated Mika Takahashi for the All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling or the AJW Championship. She would vacate it the following September to go after the AJW All Pacific Championship, the number two title in the promotion, and win it in October. In January 1992, Toyota and Toshio Yamada, first rivals before becoming the second incarnation of the Tokyo Sweethearts, won the UWA Women's World Tag Team titles from Kaoru and Lady Apache. Despite that, they had a singles beef with one another, culminating in a hair-versus-hair match that August. Toyota won the match but did not want her partner to get her head shaved. Manyame had to be physically restrained as Yamada went ahead and honored the stipulation. It would be the first of what would be 14 five-star rated matches by Wrestling Observer Newsletter, far and away the most for any woman. At AJW Dream Rush on November 26, 1992, Toyota and Yamada defeated the WWWA World Tag Team Championship against Daimite Kansai and Mayumi Ozaki in a best of three falls match. The rematch at Dream Slam 2 in April 1993 was won by Kansai and Ozaki and with it the titles. The bout was voted Wrestling Observer Newsletter's Match of the Year for 1993. The first time a woman's match won that award. They fought one last time at St. Battle Final in December with Toyota and Yamada winning the titles back. Duo would hold the championships until October 1994 when Kyoko and Takako Inui, no relation, won the titles. A few weeks prior, Toyota defeated Kyoko to unify the IWA and all Pacific singles championships. Toyota eventually vacated the unified championship to chase AJW's biggest prize, the WWWA World Heavyweight title. On March 26, 1995, Toyota defeated Asia Kong to win the title. In her first major, major defense at AJW Queendom 3 in May, Toyota went to a one-hour draw with Kyoko Inui at Core Q and Hall. The bout was voted Wrestling Observer, Observer Newsletter's Match of the Year. To date, it's the last time a woman's match earned the honor.
Pagoda would lose the title back to Kong, but she won the right to challenge for the title by winning the AJW Grand Prix Tournament that summer. In December, she knocked off then-champion Dynamite Kansai for her second WWWA championship. She would hold it for a year before losing it to longtime rival Kiyoki Inui in a three-title unification match. That year, she would also win Wrestling Observer, Observer's Most Outstanding Wrestler Award, the only woman to win in the category and finished third in the rest of the year category behind only Shawn Michaels and Mitsuharu Misawa. In November 1998, Toyota faced off against fellow Joshi legend Chigusa Nagayo. Nagayo won the 15-minute bout in what would end being their only singles bout against one another. Nanyami would largely be a freelance competitor for the next few years before going on hiatus following a 20th anniversary tribute show in 2007 in which she wrestled every match on the card she went and won two. She lost two, including one to Asia Kong, and went to a 10-minute draw with former tag partner Mima Shimoda. September 2010, she wrestled for the first time on American Soil for, Ch- for Chikara, defeating Daisy Hayes. She returned to the promotion the following April for her annual King of Trios tournament. Her trio, which included Jigsaw and Mike Quackenbush, were defeated in the second round by Team Mishinoku Pro, which was Dick Togo, Great Suzuki, and Jinsei Shizaki. That December, she was honored with the Diva Dirt Legacy Award for her in-ring contributions. The trio of Toyota, Quackenbush, and Jigsaw were together again for the 2012 King of Trios Tournament. They again advanced to the second round before being defeated by Team Sendai Girls, Dash Shizako, Miko Satamura, and Sendai Sashiko. One week later, Toyota produced her 25th anniversary show. Like her 20th anniversary event, she wrestled every match on the show, this time she won just one out of the five bouts, a win over Miho Wazakawa. Toyota voted by Wrestling Observer Newsletter readers in a 2009 poll as the greatest female wrestler of all time, was inducted into the Publications Hall of Fame in 2002. Today is a happy 59th birthday to Deborah Gail Marshall, or simply Deborah to many wrestling fans. Born and raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Marshall ran track, was a cheerleader, and was the school homecoming queen in high school. Post-graduation, she attended the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute in New York City. Deborah competed with a Miss, uh, in, in a Miss Illinois America in 1987 and also was also Miss Texas USA in 1992 and would compete in, in both of their respective national pageants. Marshall also started, studied acting in Texas, appearing in commercials, two music videos for country musician George Strait, and in a small role in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation in 1994. Turned out that she nearly got the lead role in the film, but the director's first choice changed her mind and accepted. The first choice was Renee Zellweger. Marshall Marshall first appeared for WCW in late 1995 as an audience plant and later an unnamed ballet for Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. In April 1996, she began appearing as a ballet for her husband, Steve Mongo McMichael, but Michael's mother set the couple up on a blind date. The two married in 1985. She took on the role of a beauty queen, a gimmick based on her real-life participation in beauty pageants. Nicknamed the Queen of WCW, Marshall often took KFAB shots at other wrestlers and valets. Marshall proved to be a valuable valet for McMichael. At the 1996 Great American Bash, Marshall helped Rick Flair and Arn Anderson of the Four Horsemen defeat Steve McMichael and Kevin Green when Deborah turned on Green by hitting him with a steel briefcase. The briefcase would become a signature weapon for her, even when the partnership ended in July 1997. 
when Deborah let Jeff Jarrett hit Steve with the case in a WCW United States title match. Deborah briefly managed Goldberg and Alex Wright and told them that Michael's divorce in October of 1998. Soon after the divorce, Deborah reunited with Jeff Jarrett in the WWF. But Michael, simply known by her first name Deborah, was a shrewd businesswoman and at one time Jarrett's girlfriend with Deborah wearing business suit attire. After Jarrett was disqualified in a striptease match against Goldust at Rob Bottom in Your House in December 1998, then WWF, WWF Commissioner Shawn Michaels ordered Deborah to pay off the stipulation and do a striptease. As she stripped, she was covered up by Jarrett and the Blue Blazer, but Deborah stumbled onto a strategy, unbutting her blast willingly to distract her opponents with her puppies, a term first coined by a road dog and a letter adopted, no pun intended, by Jerry Lawler. The strategy paid off with Deborah's charges, Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett winning the WWF Tag Team titles in January 1999. They held them until just after WrestleMania 15 when they were defeated by the odd couple of X-Pac and Kane. A storyline was in the works where Owen Hart and Deborah would have had an affair that was vetoed before it could be played out. A team name was also in the works, TNA, or, or Talent and Attitude. A similar name was adopted by Trish Stratus' first team tested in Albert in 2000. The name will never come to pass, as, as, as everyone knows, Owen died at over, over the Edge in May 1999. At the same event, Jarrett defeated and Deborah defeated, were defeated by Val Venus and Nicole Bass. In a post-match interview, Deborah was seen visibly shaken and concerned for her friend Owen. Two weeks prior to Over the Edge, Deborah won her only championship, the WWF Women's Title, when she was declared the winner of an evening gown match against Sable. Against Sable, Deborah held the title for just over a month before losing it to Ivory. In August, of, at SummerSlam, Jeff Jarrett, with Deborah's help, and Mark Henry defeated D'Lo Brown to win the, both the European and Intercontinental titles. For Henry's help, Jarrett awarded him the European title the next night and gave Deborah an assistant in Miss Keedy. The partnership between Deborah and Jarrett ended in Unforgiven when Deborah hit Jarrett with a guitar during his match against China for the Intercontinental title. China went on to win the match and the title, but the decision was overturned was by ref, was overturned by referee Tom Pritchard. Deborah appeared sporadically in her final two years with the company. She spent most of 2000 off television as a new husband, Stone Cold Steve Austin, recovered from neck surgery. The couple married in September 2000 in Las Vegas. She was WWF's lieutenant commissioner under then commissioner Mick Foley. She resigned her post in March 2001 to pursue managing again. Her first managing assignment would be that of The Rock, who was studying with Stone Cold at the time. Deborah sporadically appeared until she and Austin left the WWF in June 2002. In June 2002, police responded to a call in the Williams residence of San Antonio, Texas, and found Deborah with bruises and a bloody nose. Austin was charged with misdemeanor assault. Just a month after the incident, Austin filed for divorce. That November, Austin pled no contest and received a year's probation, a $1,000 fine, and 80 hours community service. <clears throat> the couple's divorce was finalized in February 2003. In 2004, Deborah auctioned off the wedding ring on eBay for $27,100, with a portion of the proceeds going to Safe Place, an organization assisting victims of domestic abuse. Following the death of Chris Benoit in 2007, Deborah went on Fox News and alleged Austin had did steroids, and he beat her on three occasions, and alleged WWE covered the incidents up. So, folks, there you have it there. Happy birthdays to, of course, Deborah, <clears throat> uh, Manami Toyota, and, of course, the late Lance Cade there this evening there, folks. 
1605-562-0444, call ID 141-364-POUND, 145 of WWS Power Hour for, <clears throat> for Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Of course, Mr. WWS, Chad Henshaw here with you here tonight. <clears throat> and of course, as, as right fast, ladies and gentlemen, we'll of course now be taking, taking care of the uh, situation involving, of course, uh, what we what we did this past week here in the radio network um mostly of course talking about what happened with raw smackdown live big time situations take place of course actually with the with, with uh, rick flair's birthday and of course the fact seeing uh batista coming back in uh and and uh, apparently setting up a match with triple h at uh, wrestlemania uh and of course, Ronda Rousey, you know, stepping up, saying, you know, that they won't want to face Becky Lynch, and of course, they're not doing, they're not going to let her do it. And all of a sudden, Ronda Rousey throwing the title down, it was not worth it. I mean, um, uh, we had a lot of action-packed moments here take place here this week. Some fantasy matchups took place, of course. Also, some uh, some fantasy matchups here took place, and also some family feud surveys took place. Uh, some uh, some great moments in sports as, as well, of course, talked about by our own Iceman as well. <clears throat> also, of course, our live video feeds here this week, uh, W7US HIAF Alliance, W7US Nitro Thunder, OWNUS A Warriors Legacy, and W7US Legacy. Of course, uh, <clears throat> of course, like I said, all hosted our videos here this week uh, of course, for Revolution and Wolfpack. Of course, a lot of other great shows there indeed. Um, so all in all, a great week there, folks, here in the radio network. And of course, it will just keep getting a whole lot better here, of course, during our during the next next few days, next few weeks here, of course, here in WCWS. Uh, <clears throat> and also, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and let you know here coming up tonight at nine o'clock. Do not forget that our special edition of w, uh, our our episode of WCWS Wrestling Championship Challenge. As we did say here before, the Iceman, uh, Jared DiGirolamo, and the Heartbreak Kid Fonzie agreed to a, to a matchup here with JD's NWA US National Championship on the line. Of course, in a big wrestling Jeopardy matchup. And it'll be a real good, I'll be a real good contest. So be sure to listen in on that tonight. 146507 pound coming up here in about an hour and a half. <clears throat> uh, and of course, the Empress Anne-Marie Rickenbach is scheduled to be in the corner of the heartbreak kid uh, as we said before can jd hold on to this championship of course picking it up during our prediction title challenge for elimination for elimination chamber or or can Fonzie somehow find a way to get by jd and pick up this belt we'll let everyone know here about what happens here coming up here tonight at nine o'clock right here on talkshoe.com remember wws wrestling championship challenge and now, folks, let's see what we have here going on in our some wrestling news tidbits here, of course. <clears throat> let's see if we can. Uh, and like I said, we're only going to bring you a couple of brief, couple of brief stories here, here before uh, before we close up shop here for this for the evening, for us to get things all set up here for our. Big time matchup here coming up here in about an hour and a half. 
the three stories here we'll bring you to our attention. We do thank our friends at 411 Mania for allowing us here in the WWS radio network for allowing us <clears throat> for allowing us to, of course, read their stories on all of our shows, including Red Pack, Outside the Raw Radio, Power Hour, our promos, and so much more. <clears throat> Joseph Lee brings us our first story here tonight. Friendly Sean Waltman says WWE is making changes to the Hall of Fame ceremony. In an interview with the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast via Wrestling Inc., of course, I'm not a real big fan of Sam Roberts anymore, to be honest with you. Sean Waltman spoke about going into the WWE Hall of Fame and revealed that WWE, WWE is considering making changes to the ceremony, ceremony to prevent from going on long. They spoke about issues that have troubled the ceremony, including speeches that go on too long. It was noticeable last year when most of the WWE talent was on the floor and ended up leaving as the show continued, leaving an empty gap when Goldberg was given his speech. Waltman said, some things were explained to me when Mark Carano brought the news to me. He told me some things are going to change about the ceremony. Obviously, there were some things that were problems at pretty much all the the Hall of Fames, especially last year. Guys just taking their sweet time with their speeches. Things are going to change. There may, may or may not be inductors. I mean, I'm, I've seen some inductors take 30 minutes to give their inductors speech. It was reported from 411 Manny last month that WWE was looking to issue a new superstar policy that forced them to remain for the entire show to prevent empty seats appearing during inductee speeches. So, so, um, so we'll see what happens here. Of course, as we know so far, ladies and gentlemen, of course, from the past couple of weeks, we can tell you that Degeneration X and the Honky Tonk Man are now officially this year into the Hall of Fame. Joseph Lee brings us the next story here today. As Ronda Rousey talks about why she walked out of Raw and said that she doesn't need the job. Ronda Rousey has posted a new video on her YouTube account in which she explains why she left the Raw Women's title with Stephanie McMahon and walked out of Raw this past Monday. Rousey left the ring after another match from Becky, another attack from Becky Lynch, but Stephanie refused to reinstate Lynch to add and add her to the match at WrestleMania. Rousey said this, The thing is, I love this job. I really love this job. I don't need it at all, not the least little bit. So the, sec- so the second I'm not happy, I resume the right to walk out the door and live happily ever after with the love of my life, you know. And the authority, as they are called in this company, are used to bullying everyone around. And like I said, they are they give them just enough for them. They give them just enough for them to like, live a lavish lifestyle, but still have to come back. And I don't. <clears throat> uh, of course, uh, of course, this video, of course, is on uh, YouTube. Of course, check it out. Uh, something called Ronda on the road. Of course, going in towards uh, Monday Night Raw in Atlanta. So uh, definitely check out the video right there. It's on this page here if you want to look into that. And also, of course, uh, uh, and uh, <clears throat> but uh, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I hope, like I said, we get to, at some point here we get to see uh, you know um, Becky Lynch add to the card. That would make a great match. WrestleMania, Rousey, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch wrestle at the same event. That would be great. Uh, Ashish brings us this next story here. It's potential spoilers on two more possible inductees into this year's WWE Hall of Fame. The WrestleVotes Twitter account, which broke, and which broke the news of the Honky Tonk Man's induction into the WWE Hall of Fame as part of the 2019 class, reports 
that Tory Wilson and Brutus the Barber Beefcake will also be a part of the 2019 class. Taz and the Hart Foundation, of course, Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, and Jimmy Hart, have been women for this year's class in the past. WWE should announce the next inductee on Monday. So far, WWE has confirmed that D-Generation X in the form of Triple H, Shawn Michaels, the late China, Billy Gunn, Road Dogg, Jesse James, and X-Pac, <clears throat> as well as the Honky Tonk Man for the 2019 Hall of Fame class. The Hall of Fame ceremony is set for April the 6th at Barclays in Brooklyn. Uh, like I said, right now, I mean, possibly they make it, they may still consider the Heart Foundation and Taz. I don't know. Right now, they're even thrown out now, as I just said. Uh, what what did I say here? Tori Wilson and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens here. We'll definitely have to wait and see what happens. Uh one story I actually heard about this on YouTube earlier today, but I got to read this here. Really, really kind of sad story here. Jeffrey Harris brings us this story. As Ric Flair has revealed that Harley Race has been diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. <coughs> the recent championship wrestler from Hollywood told PWN Harley Race has been diagnosed with lung cancer. As was noted earlier today, it is not a terminal case. He said he just spoken to Harley Race's family, and it's true. He has been diagnosed with lung cancer, but it's not terminal. He's being treated and supervised by his doctors. He is still very active in the Harley Race Wrestling Academy and his promotion, World League Wrestling. Also, next week, weekend's NWA World's Championship, World's Championship match at WLW's Night of Champions is still on, and previously I've I've already made plans to attend. Harley and his family appreciates everyone's concern and asks the public to allow him his space to rest. The original story here was Twitter user Jay Aletto shared details from the Legends of the Ring event featuring WWE Hall of Famers Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan that was held this past week at the Hard Rock Hotel Casino in Atlanta City, New Jersey. According to Aletto's account of the event, Ric Flair revealed during his Q&A session moderated by WWE Hall of Famer Jimmy Hart a fellow Hall of Famer Harley Race had been diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. Race, who is 75 years old, has been dealing with a number of health issues. It was reported in June 2017 that he broke both his legs in a serious fall. Of course, there's a tweet, of course, that were shared below on that. But, of course, on behalf of 411 and, of course, right here in WWS Radio Network, we do send our best wishes to Harley Race, his family, and his friends. So, so apparently, like I said, uh, Jay Alette, Mr. Aletto apparently must be, of course, uh, jumping jump the gun here a little bit here. We won't, uh, want, uh, we won't read, we won't go through all the tweets right there ever said, but, uh, but of course, as at this time here, folks, um, I mean, he, he does, <clears throat> he does, he does have it, but it's not terminal. So thank goodness for that. But of course, we'll definitely be saying our, Thoughts and prayers here, of course, to the family of Harley Race. And one more quick story to bring in before we close out for the evening. An AEW-related story. Tony Khan discusses wanting to start a wrestling promotion for a long time, addresses the short and long goals of AEW. Okay, let me see. Let me start by here, folks. Let me... As previously reported, 
Chris Jericho interviewed AEW President Tony Khan last month on his Talk is Jericho podcast. Below some additional highlights from the recent podcast interview transcript via WrestlingInc.com. Tony Khan wanted to start a wrestling promotion for a long time. He says, we've been looking at doing it for a very, very long time, and it's something that I've wanted to do my entire life. It has been very, it has been every bit as exciting as I thought it would be, and to have great people like Jericho and like the Young Bucks and Cody and now Kenny Omega to work with. Guys, what you're bringing in terms of experience and leadership to this made it for me possible to do this, make this possible for this for me to, to do this, to make this happen. Tony Khan on how wrestling has become more attractive to advertisers. He says a number of factors, economic factors, the fact that I think pro wrestling for advertisers now has become attractive, that advertisers can see that there is a huge base for wrestling fans now that all over the world they are, that they are really passionate and they're good people. They're educated people and are in a really diverse group. And I think that there are a lot of really passionate fans around this group of wrestlers, the talent like Jericho and the elite, a number of competitors coming into this, like uh, Dr. Britt Baker or, or Double or Nothing. We've got a male-female roster with a really, really great engagement among the fans. And to me, that makes it the right time to strike. And then, like Jericho said, when you've got all these great talents, with our contracts coming up and when we're in a market where TV money, there's TV money to be had and it's the right time to try and make a deal with a major network for a wrestling TV show. I think it's the right time for a number of reasons. It's something I've always wanted to do and all of a sudden it just felt like the right time to strike. Con on how he saw 2019 is the right time to do it. He says, I mean, for a long time, it's just started to make more and more sense to me. When I look at the market, the availability of performers in different windows, and I looked at it and saw, wow, 2019, we have a real opportunity here. That the contract status of the elite have been has been public knowledge and the observer, and it had been put online about the deals coming up, and then who was who was and who wasn't working with a deal, and like I think it had been pretty public knowledge that Jericho had been out working with four other places. And also my research of the market and media media rights told me that there was going to be a really good client for us to get involved in this. Just really all the details came together at the right time. Tony Khan on AEW's growing roster, he says, we've already got a tremendous roster and we're still growing. That's why it's really important to be discerning. And that's frankly why all the time there are really exciting names that we got that we get and they're great people. But I have to but I but, but I have to be the bearer of bad news. Like I don't think this is going to work out for whatever reason. Usually these great names are people that are very talented, but like I was saying for us, we just can't push everybody. There's not enough time. Tony Khan for, on their short-term goals for 2019. But the short-term goal for this year is to do multiple successful pay-per-views. Yeah, like of course, like double or nothing. And later on in the year, we'll be doing something else that's exciting. And we have a charitable event later on in the summer in Jacksonville, Florida, Fight for the Fallen. We will announce more details for that at a later date. It's a benefit for the victims of gun violence and one of the causes we feel very strongly about. In addition to running more successful pay-per-views, I'd say another short-term goal was our television program. And I'm excited to announce more details about it again in the future. Tony Khan on what he wants to, for the company's long-term goals. He says this, and the long-term goals I would like five years from now to be for this to be a growing business that has been around <clears throat> that has delivered on all of his promises that hasn't alienated his fans has alienated the performers i would like for everybody to be able to say i've never lied to them i'd like jericho to say i've never lied to him i like the bucks or cody or kenny to say i've never lied to them and i like everybody to get out of this saying we, we gave them a fair chance and we did something good for them for their career 
have we treated them well. I'd like everybody to come out of this five, five years from now and say, thank goodness that we got into this because pro wrestling business is in a better place. The fans are happier. I get by five years from now, long term, to say that we've got into this. When we got into this, it was a pivotal moment that changed things for everybody and loves wrestling for the better. I think that would be awesome. So, and also, there's a link right there if you want to listen to Jericho's podcast, him interviewing, of course, Tony Khan, one of the owners of AEW. Be sure to check that out here as well. Here, folks. On that note here, ladies and gentlemen, I do thank you here for listening here tonight for episode 145 of WWS Power Hour. Don't forget here, folks, <clears throat> coming up at 9 o'clock will be our next edition of WWS Wrestling Championship Challenge. <clears throat> As the Iceman, Jared DiGirolamo, is set to defend the NWA US National Championship <clears throat> against... <clears throat> Against the heartbreak kid Fonzie, of course, with the Empress Emery Rickenbach in his corner. Well, like I said, will JD be able to hold on to the belt or will Fonzie be able to add another belt to his lineup of championships? We'll definitely be we'll definitely be uh, be thinking about that and seeing what happens there. Uh, coming up tonight, like I said, on Wrestling Championship Challenge, one four six five zero seven pound. So be sure, so be sure to uh, the check to check that out here as well. <clears throat> and also, don't forget our promo tomorrow evening, where, of course, we'll be reviewing everything that will be going on here in the radio network this coming week. On behalf of the panel, way too tough to hand off. So I'd like to say thank you very much again for listening. And we'll be back, of course, coming up here in about like uh, in about a little more than an hour for our additional wrestling championship challenge. <clears throat> but uh, in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to visit all of our groups in WCWS. Be sure to listen to all of our past episodes in WCWS in the radio network. And we'll look forward to talking to you here again here really, really soon. Power Hour episode 145 is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are three years older and continuing to be bolder. Radio Network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling and, and pop culture connection. Folks, take care of yourselves and each other. Continue to enjoy the rest of your weekend. And as always, here in the WWS Radio Network, right here on TalkShoe.com. <clears throat> God bless everyone, and we'll talk at you at 9 o'clock for Wrestling Championship Challenge. This has been the WCWS Radio Network. Have a good night there, folks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.